You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. Excellent. We get an opportunity to finish a sermon series today that we began several weeks ago. Um, It's called Hidden Heroes. Hidden Heroes. And so um, we were just singing about, um, do you guys know, not the last song that we sung, but the song just before that, or maybe it was the last song that we just sung, but it talked about there was a lion in us. There was a lion in us, um, inside of your bones. And so get up and praise the Lord. And I don't know, when I think about that, when I thought about that line, when that line hit me today, I thought about two things. I obviously thought about Jesus as like the Lion of Judah and the strength and the empowerment that, um, you know, that happens in, in, um, you know, in how Jesus is kind of working in and through us. Uh, but also, I had an opportunity to, like, anybody else think about Lion King when, you know, like, you know, the lion pops up kind of thing, the lion image? But, but it was, I was thinking about that, that image in the Lion King movie movie or the play, whatever you may have seen, um, which I know is a Disney thing, but, um, but it, there's this amazing moment, right, where Simba's really struggling with his identity and he's really trying to figure out who he is. And he looks into the water. Do you guys remember that scene? He looks into the water. Anybody just want to holler back what he sees? He, yeah, he, he sees his reflection at first and then his reflection begins to ripple away and he begins to see his dad, right? He begins to see his dad in his reflection, and I don't know, it just, it feels like that that's a profound summary of what we've been talking about the last seven weeks and potentially this week as we close out this Hidden Heroes series, that there is um, a lion inside of you, right? And I want you to think about little Simba and I want you to think about him looking into the reflection and at first in the reflection in the mirror, he begins to see himself, but then himself like begins to pass away because then he begins to see his father, which is within him. He, be, he begins to see his father, which is within him. And um, can I invite you, when you look in the mirror, to not just see yourself, but to see the image of God that is placed inside of you. Because you've been created in the image of God, and that is what God is trying to help us uncover in all the different ways that we kind of cover that up. Sometimes we know we're covering that up, and other times we very much don't know we're covering it up, and we're still covering it up. That's kind of why Paul you know, says, like, I don't know why I keep doing the things that I know I'm not supposed to do. I don't understand why I do that. That's part of what we're doing, right? Is we're kind of covering over that image of God. And God is constantly, by the power of God's love, God's trying to rediscover, help us rediscover our identity, to rediscover that love that is, uh, that is within us. That's, that's the hidden hero. That's how we are able to do things that we never could imagine that were possible to do, because it's not doing them out of our own strength. Uh, it's doing them out of the strength of God that's revealed within us. And um, so, uh, as we kind of have an opportunity to kind of think and pray about at that today. Would you uh, just kind of share it in prayer with me? Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations that you find in each of our hearts, may they be acceptable unto you. As Caroline was reminding us earlier, joy is a byproduct of your spirit. So where your spirit is, that, there's joy there. And so, oh God, there's joy here. And we want to be able to grab hold of it. 
even when um, our circumstances might, might cultivate emotions within us that, that might be sadness or, or madness or frustration or challenge or waywardness, all kinds of things, oh God, that we feel in our emotions. We want to be able to pay attention to that. Uh, our emotions are trying to instruct us in some way. And yet, oh God, above all else, we long to be able to, uh, to grab hold of the fruit of your spirit that you have placed inside of each and every one of us. And we're grateful, oh God, um, that we get the opportunity to be joyful. We get the opportunity to be joyful uh, and to embrace uh, who you are, to embrace who you've created us to be as you continue to redeem us uh, in and through Jesus. And the gift, oh God, of, of what it means to be able to be your hands and feet in the world. And so, oh God, uh, in a spirit of offering, a lot of different ways, oh God, that we will offer ourselves to you today and in and, and the days that follow. Sometimes that'll involve our money. Sometimes that'll involve our words. Sometimes that'll, um, it'll involve an encounter that may feel uncomfortable um, because it isn't comfortable for us. And yet you'll, you'll invite us and you'll call us to lean in and to rely on your strength and spirit. And, and that will be part of our offering to you. And so, oh God, we pray that, that our life would be an offering um, that is acceptable um, and, and is received uh, joyfully and gladfully by you. And so, oh God, as we share in this time, pray that you would move in our spirit, uh, that you would strengthen us, that you would touch us, and, and especially in the place in our heart that, that needs to be touched the most. Sometimes, oh God, we don't even know what that is, but you always know what that is. And so we pray, oh God, that today uh, you might give us the gift of not only being convicted, we pray that you're always convicting us, uh, drawing us closer to your will, uh, but also, oh God, that, that with that somewhere, comes the gift of comfort and strength. And it's in the strong and precious name of Christ we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Um, can I begin the sermon by talking about something that I don't, it feels really important, maybe especially to me, maybe to you as well, um, like touching folk, touching people. Any, any huggers here? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hugging is like one sign of touching people, right? Um, do you, anybody want to throw up their hand and say, I just hate to be touched? Like, you can do that here. It's a, yes, thank you. Absolutely. So there's one honest, one honest man among us, right? Um, but believe it or not, like, all of us have the need to be touched, and all of us have the need to be able to touch others, most specifically in the name of Jesus. Now, as I think and pray about that, Tom Fogarty, can I borrow you for just a second? Can I, can I borrow you for just a second? I won't make you say anything, I promise. I can pick on Tom and give Tom a little love. Come on up here, Tom, if you will. Come on up here. Yeah. I, I need, a little, uh, need a little demonstration. Need a little demonstration, Tom. So, so if I'm going to touch Tom, there's a lot of different ways I can do that, right? But one of the ways, that's what I'm talking about. Mm. Oh. <laughs> this guy's... That's, that's this, my kind of hug. That's my kind of <laughs> hug, too. This guy, um, can you tell by his tan he's been in Florida, you know, for a while, you know? So, hey, don't go anywhere yet, Tom. Don't go anywhere yet. Don't go anywhere yet. So I can, I can kind of hug him that way. That's one way to touch. This is another way to touch, right? Sometimes if I know somebody really well, and if it's a male, I'll kind of pat him on the shoulder or the chest, right? I didn't even realize I was doing that. And then one day I was like, why am I patting somebody on the chest? Yes, used to fist bump. That's exactly right. Uh, if we're playing basketball together, what's one of the ways that we touch? We'll do one of the ways here. The other way is to, you know, pop him from behind, but I won't, I won't do that. I won't, I won't do that part either. But um, Tom, let's do this. Let's come here and let's take like, I don't know, like five steps back though. Two, three, four, five. 
All right, so I want to touch Tom. How do I do it? <laughs> I'm a big fella. I'm a big fella. Good. I'm glad you're having to think about that. Good. Uh, can, I, can I still touch Tom? Yes, my arms aren't that long, nor are his. But can I still touch him? It, love it. In a, in a, in a moment where... Um, I want to be Tom's pastor and I want to shepherd him. By the way, more often than not, he's shepherding me, but that's a whole other conversation. But, um, but in a moment where Tom needs a pastor and I want to be that for him, can I, can I still hold him as his pastor on God's behalf if this kind of distance is between us? Can I still do that? Yes. That's what we want to talk about this morning. Thanks, Tom. Give Tom some love. Will you do that? Thank you. Woo. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I love the way you guys were talking about that because what you were, like you were popcorning ways in the room that I could touch him. Um, and I didn't even ask Tom's permission to do that, but that just kind of came to me. But I, I appreciate that because when that distance is created, it's, it's just a profound reminder that there are still ways for me to be in relationship with him. There are ways for you to be in relationship, to be a Christ-centered presence and to offer holy touch to folks that you can't physically touch. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want to still be able to, you know, when appropriate and as appropriate with permission, all that fun stuff, be able to offer kind of holy touch to one another. Of course, we want to be able to do that. Um, and at the very same time, there are times where there is something in between us that won't afford us that particular personal that personal touch, that personal opportunity. There will be moments, and that does not mean um, that we don't still have a responsibility and a privilege and an opportunity to be able to offer a, a, kind, of, a kind of touch to someone. Um, we, could, we could think about the fact that just like touch matters. We, we could also talk about the fact that um, like when there's, I don't know, I mean, I know none of us can really relate to this, but when there's this major communicable disease that kind of just descends upon a large, you know, good bit of population at one time, especially when we're in the uncertain place where we don't really know what to do with that. And we don't really know if that's an opportunity that we have to be able to catch something by, you know, touching somebody or touching something that they've touched, right? We've, we've all lived in that space. I want you to like kick it up a notch. I want you to think about where, you know, there are kind of major, even way more serious kind, not that COVID was not serious. We all know that it is, but, but I want you to think even like, like, like where there's an Ebola outbreak within the world or something of that nature where literally folks are like isolated in such a way that they can have no physical contact with one another and are probably most likely in that particular situation are in places and parts of the world where the technology that we have that we depend on in moments like that they don't have in that particular way there are all kinds of things sometimes that will kind of get in our way uh, sometimes it's geography or space sometimes it's circumstance sometimes it's time but the truth of the matter is, like, like, you're here, and someone else is there, and what does it mean in Jesus' name to be able to bridge the gap? I, I'll like never forget, um, in pastoral life, um, thinking about one of the opportunities or times of privilege that I've had to be able to enter a prison to be able to visit somebody. And sometimes that might have been through a group experience, like a Kairos ministry. Uh, I had an opportunity to celebrate Bruce Pate's life yesterday. And uh, one of the things that Bruce is known for um, is his jail and prison ministry and his willingness to, to go into, you know, some of the darkest corners of some of the most interesting prisons, um, you know, that are around and to be able to somehow offer the love of Jesus in 
a remarkable way in that kind of setting. And, and that's beautiful and remarkable. And yet the time I'm thinking about today is not in a Kairos walk. It was um, a time where I had an opportunity to visit a parishioner and a friend who um, had actually been transferred up to Pennsylvania uh, in a federal prison there. And I only got to see him maybe twice a year just because it was, you know, 500 plus miles to be able to get there. But um, can y'all imagine me in a prison waiting room not being able to touch somebody? Like, if you know me, you know how hard that is. I literally, when I do that, I literally have to sit here with my hands in my pocket. Or, um, I mean, I literally have to tie my hands down to not want to just reach, especially for somebody that I know has been in a setting where probably the only time they've been touched is when a guard might grab them and put them from here, you know, to here. That that would be one of the few acceptable times where touch could happen in, in, a, prison, in a prison setting. Um, but I'll never forget, I, there was not a time that I went when I wasn't called down by the guard for my affection to him. There was not a time that I went that I wasn't called. And you know what? That was a worthy risk. Like, I, mean, I didn't really end up in there with him. Like, I wasn't really aiming for that. <laughs> but, but it was almost like, almost, it was almost like I was depending on the guard to give me that warning to show me where the line is today so that I can do what I drove a really long distance to be able to do and to be able to be a friend and pastor for somebody who is um, in a setting where normally, you know, I'd be able to write him a letter or talk to him on the phone for a few minutes uh, when he had a calling card. But, uh, but in this particular setting, you know, to be able to, to literally reach out and touch uh, someone. Um, it's hard to be limited in that way. So let me tie this into our Hidden Hero series last Sunday today. Today we have an opportunity to, um, like a lot of the folks we've been talking about obviously have been, have been kind of male heroes. Today we have an opportunity to lift up a shero, a shero. And so her name is Phoebe. Um, and this is not Phoebe from Friends. Those of you that like the sitcom Friends, this is not that Phoebe. Um, she's also not in Colossians 4 where we've been lifting a lot of these names that we've been lifting up as hidden heroes and kind of chasing down their story. Um, this particular Phoebe, she appears at the tail end of a really important book of the Bible called the book of Romans. And in the same kind of section of that letter, same kind of thing that we've been encountering in Colossians. So same principles apply. There's these greetings and there's these names and there are these salutations. And, um, and so as I like, think a little bit about um, Phoebe, I think about, well, the way that we catch up with her story, um, we do that in several different ways through scripture and through the tradition of the church that tells us a bit about her impact and her influence. Um, but if we could just kind of look at the screen or if you want to follow along in your Bible uh, in Romans uh, 16, let's spend a couple of minutes um, uh, just kind of talking a little bit about uh, Phoebe and, and kind of how she's, how she's talked about here and not only how that helps us in a head kind of way to appreciate her impact and her influence, but a way that that actually helps us to kind of inform our own walk and our own journey uh, with Jesus as we have something, I think, very uh, precious and very important uh, to learn from her. And so uh, here's how that goes, right? I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon of the church at Centre. I'm probably saying that wrong, but I'm going to say it that way. Um, so that you may welcome her in the Lord as is fitting for the saints and help her in whatever she may require from you for, and if you could read that, the rest of that with me, if you can see it, for she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Wow. 
So a couple really interesting things began to pop up. We, we learned that Phoebe, like we had talked about Ty um, in the, you know, the book of Colossians. Well, here's what we learn is that like Phoebe is the one who delivered this particular letter. Now, when we're talking about the book of Colossians or the letter to the church at, Coloss- at Colossae and, and the letter to the church at Rome, there are some similarities. One of the similarities, though, um, the amazing teaching in both, incredible stuff. Romans is a good bit longer. Also, what we would say is that the letter that Paul is writing to the Romans, to the church at Rome, is... Um, it's not only much more lengthy, it's actually much more impactful. In fact, out of all of Paul's letters, it's really possible that this particular letter got distributed the most, reached the most people, potentially had the greatest and largest impact. I mean, it's a really important, really important letter. I mean, it's just phenomenal teaching that we find um, in, the, in the letter to the Romans that, that we have as the book of Romans that, that shares something significant with us about the, the way that God was working in, in Paul's heart and the way way that, that, that Paul was very specifically, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, meant to share some really important things with the church there that, that, was, that was at Rome. And, and as we kind of, you know, as we kind of lean into that a little bit, um, we, we begin to say, okay, so Phoebe, like, okay, she helped deliver the letter, so welcome her in the Lord, uh, because it's fitting for the saints to welcome her and to help her in whatever way that she may require for you. For she has been a benefactor of many and of myself as well. Now, just those that are in the room, let's talk this out. When you hear the word benefactor, if we chase that down, what, do you, what, what, does, that, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? What does that word mean to you? Just want to holler it out? Yeah. Paul had a sugar mama. I mean, seriously, not just Paul, right? I mean, he's talking about other, other leaders here where Phoebe has stood in the gap and where Phoebe has offered some significant financial assistance that um, he's inferring here under, underwrote some really important ministry that led to the production of this particular letter. Now, for a moment... Actually, not for a moment. For all time, can we set aside the argument of whether women should be leaders in the life of the church? That, that like, needs an amen or some kind of affirm. Like, can we, can we set that aside? Yeah, yeah, can we set that aside? Guess what? Early church, women are leaders in the ministry of the church. Paul's, like, given a public shout out for um, generations. Like, we're still 2,000 years later sitting here talking about this woman that Paul's given a shout out saying, by the way, the content of this letter and the way it's been delivered to you for a whole host of reasons, because of the, the money that she provided, the movement and the mission, and at the very same time, the fact that she also, like, helped physically risk life and limb to be able to deliver the letter, um, like, the church wouldn't have the gift of this letter had it not been for her witness and her influence and her willingness to, to you know, like offer herself up in, in this particular way. I, I know it's just a couple of verses, but it feels like a really important couple of verses. And it, it's not just this example, right? It's important to say, like, what in the world will we do without women who were and are such strong leaders in the life of Jesus's church? Um, man, the church would not be what it is and it would not be what it needs to be without women like Phoebe that are um, courageous in their own way, sometimes out front, 
Uh, also, sometimes, like, you know, kind of like, like in the background working um, the foundation of really important ministry things that wouldn't happen in the way that they happen without um, their willingness to engage and use the gifts that God has placed within their resource uh, to be able to, uh, to share the good news to the ends of the earth. So, like, apparently, Phoebe, like, had some resources. She's, we might say, a woman of independent means, um, with likely an independent streak. We get that vibe uh, for in several different ways through kind of church history things that we pick up on her. And, um, like, you know, benefactor. I, I mean, really important stuff. Uh, so, as we, like, kind of think about the opportunity to appreciate what it would be like if, if Phoebe had not been available to the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit in the way that she was, and if she hadn't listened, and if she hadn't responded, God could have certainly found another way to deliver some of the goodness that we have in, you know, in Paul's letter to the Romans. But, but we have to like, imagine what it would be like if we didn't have Phoebe. We have to imagine what it would be like to not have, to not have this part of Paul's ministry that's still supporting the church's ministry to this very day. I mean... Like, supporting Paul permitted Phoebe to have influence beyond the circumstances of the geography where she's like just a significant leader all across the early church in all kinds of different churches. And there are places, obviously, that she would have been, um, you know, in Roman world and in Jewish Christian world would have been kind of fenced because of her, her gender. She wouldn't have been fully able to engage and use her gifts. And, and clearly, this is not a place where there was any fencing. There's an immense amount of gratitude for what she had to offer. And I can hardly fathom a world, um, a world without the letter to the Romans. Like many people would say that this is Paul's best stuff that she underwrote, that she benefacted. I want you to think about um, Leonardo da Vinci without the Mona Lisa. I want you to think about George Lucas if we didn't have Star Wars. I want you to think about like the Van, like, like you know, Van Gogh, like if we didn't have a starry night, Van Gogh would have still done some really cool stuff and something else would have been his best. But, but man, we'd be missing that. Like Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Like, like in other words, like this is, this is influence. She's offering an offering of influence at, it, at its best. Best letter ever. Like in some really specific way. Summarizes not just the whole entire New Testament, but really summarizes kind of, you know, the other 65 books of, of the, the Jewish Christian canon. I mean, she's influencing the church massively through a willingness to respond to God's grace in her life and uh, to appreciate um, that she is expanding and advancing Paul, right? She's expanding and advancing Paul's ministry beyond the ability, whether she's in space where she can physically touch him or not, like, like she's, you know, she's building on that. I mean, it's amazing if we begin to think about what it meant. What, what she teaches us is this, like one among many things, is that for her, 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 her influence, right, her money is allowing her and God through her to reach in a way that exceeds her ability to touch someone. I want to say that again because it feels really important. So her resources, right, her gifts on display, her money that benefacted this particular part of Paul's ministry, like, like her money has allowed her reach, the reach of God through her ministry and her faith, 
to be able to exceed her ability to physically touch someone. And that's not just something that, that Phoebe gets an opportunity to do. That's something that we get an opportunity to do. You, you just heard Tammy share announcements about things that have happened and are happening in the life of the church. She mentioned one thing about ha- being able to have kind of hundreds of Tuscola students kind of come through the building this week and how cool it was to see kids. Many, many of those kids would not have darkened the doors of a church had they not been to a wedding or a funeral that probably wasn't even in a church building. Right? But to be able to come and to be able to see this as a space where they could learn and, and kind of grow and, and, and off the beaten path, I mean, that's, that's something that you provided this week to some students that may or may not ever connect with our, with our LC student ministry. I hope all of them would. Um, but may or may not connect our LC student ministry, but that's something that you helped provide through, um, you know, this incredible space and this incredible church fellowship that you helped to offer. And so, like, here's what we know, right, is that we can't, we individually, we can't kneel beside every, every deathbed, but guess what? Your dollars and your influence can. Like, we, we can't, like, feed every hungry family individually, but guess what? Your, your money can. Your prayers, like, with legs can. We can't sit with every child who, who needs your care, but, but guess what? God has placed resources within our care and disposal that we have an opportunity to be able to offer those up and some volunteer time with it that do allow us to be able to, um, to appreciate the fact that, that our money and our resource and our influence, the way that God has set that um, within us is that we get to be stewards of those things. They get, they get right, to, you know, exceed our ability to physically touch someone. Like you can't always show up to reach, grow, and serve in all the different ways that we're called to do that together, but your resources actually do show up and are fuel for all of those different ways that we're called to do that work together. And I can promise you that it wouldn't happen in the way that it happens without you. It, it wouldn't happen in the way that it, that it happens um, without your time and your investment and your volunteer hours. It wouldn't happen in the way that it happens without your gifts and your willingness to, to offer up those gifts in such a selfless and remarkable way. It wouldn't happen without the ways that you give online, the ways that you um, snap that QR code, the ways that you um, kind of give through the white boxes or through some kind of direct way through the office the way that your tithes and offerings help to equip and empower uh, and are fuel for really important ministry things that happen on, a, on a, like a daily basis, almost an hourly basis. There are things that you're doing, even when you're in your bed asleep, there are things that you're doing because you know that the resources that you have and the way that you share those, God is giving us an ability um, to allow those resources to go beyond the impact of our ability to physically touch some ministry or someone or something. Now, let me, let me name something that's kind of going on in the room and what could easily be going on in the room or what could easily be going on in the stream is somebody saying this, oh, like, you know, this whole sugar mama thing, this is just like an easy way for the preacher to ask us to give more money. Uh, amen to that? <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, okay. <laughs> um... Can we talk about that for a second? Because the truth of the matter is that whether you ever give one more dollar to the Life Alongs Chapel and its ministry, do you know that you need to let go of your money and give it generously more than Jesus needs to use it? Do you know that? Because I want you to know that. Do you know that the longer that the money, we talked about stuff last week, but the longer the money and stuff are kind of in our possession, the more likely they are to kind of grab hold of us and us to grab hold tighter to it. And, and here's the thing, like I, I get an opportunity, I mean, 
I, I, like, this is my full-time ministry because Long's Chapel pays me to, to be a lead pastor, and I'm really honored and grateful to be able to be a part of the ministry of Long's Chapel. Like, I would be a part of the ministry of Long's Chapel if I wasn't paid. I, I would have to have another job, and so I, I, like, wouldn't necessarily be able to do lead pastor duties. But, but the opportunity and the gift of what it is to be a part of this church um, is, is beyond gift, it, it, it's incredible. It's, um, it's amazing. And most of that is the community impact and the reach that I know that you make in this building and beyond that shares God's good news in some profound and incredible ways. Why? Because the reach of this church can go deeper and larger and bigger than any one of our individual reaches. And it can help deliver Jesus's love in places that we individually uh, cannot go, but collectively we can't help but go. Can, can I um, encourage you that if you think this sermon or if you think I'm just like all about getting you to give, you know, money to Long's Chapel, I absolutely think you need to be generous and gracious with your resources. If you don't want to give them to Long's Chapel, there are a lot of amazing nonprofits and, you know, a lot of amazing churches that you could, that you could give your money to. D- do I hope that you're, you're fueling the ministry and partnering in the ministry of life at Long's Chapel? Of course, but if you think that's my only agenda here, you, you know, feel free to give that somewhere else. I'm just encouraging you as a pastor, as a shepherd, to, to find places and ways to be generous and gracious with the resources that you have at your disposal. And I'm encouraging you not to just shotgun that, but to be very intentional about the kind of impact that you believe that Jesus wants to call forth out of those resources. Maybe you're in a space where you kind of haven't been doing that in, in kind of, you know, in your mind kind of any meaningful way. Can I invite you to start with a percentage of your income? The reality is, friends, I, I swear I've tried, this, I've tried this in my life and I've walked with folks who have done this. Pick a percentage. Pick a percentage of your income. Figure out what that is. Um, give that away. Give it several months. Give it several months. You will not miss what was not yours to begin with. You will not miss what was not yours to begin with. And there'll actually be a part of your faith that'll begin to grow because you know that you're participating in something beyond just providing for your own comfort and your own needs. You you, you know that you're giving in a way that can't be repaid directly to you. Like, you know that you're doing that. Can I invite you to eventually work your way up to, you know, what the the Old Testament covenant calls calls the tithe? Um, In New Testament world, we get into an interesting space where generosity kind of begins beyond the tithe. Um, So, like, when we begin to, like, give a portion of our income, we begin to grow that to a tithe and beyond. Some pretty incredible things that not just begin to happen with those resources, but pretty incredible things that begin to happen in our own heart and in our own life. But I want to come back to the point that it's just really important, friends, that we're able to be able to use all of the resources that are at our disposal, our, our prayer life, our, our time and our energy, our, our resources, our, our financial resources. It's important that we offer all of that up to God in some very specific ways for God to do some incredible things. Um, a preacher joke is this. Um, it, it's almost like that guy who said to his pastor, you know, I don't think I can give a tenth, preacher. I don't think I can do that. Like, I'm just scraping by. Like, I don't know how to do that. And then, and then this particular gentleman says to the pastor, is it okay instead of giving a tenth if I give a fourth? <laughs> <laughs> You know, we'll let that one slide this time if, if, that's really, if that's really what you need to do. If that's really what you need to do. That, that's no doubt what Phoebe did. That's no doubt what this Shiro did. Because her reach went much, much farther 
than her touch. And her money and her time and her investment and her willingness to even deliver uh, this letter as Paul was in prison, it made this masterpiece possible for generations that would follow her and still generations to come. I don't know, friends, what your definition of legacy is, and I, I don't know like where that begins for you. Um, Chuck Lipp and Joey Webb and I got an opportunity to, to um, Friday night and, and party yesterday, got an opportunity to hear some pretty incredible um, Wesleyan, Wesleyan Methodist scholars um, who are kind of trying to reclaim uh, what it means to kind of look at the gospel through, through a, um, the lens of the Wesley brothers and kind of the impact that, that they had and, and how that gospel is so remarkably, that gospel through that lens is so remarkably, remarkably tailor-made for this age that we live in and this culture that we're um, trying to offer the love of Jesus in and to. But, uh, but one of the preeminent, if not the preeminent, Wesley, um, Wesley theologian was there um, and is by a guy named Colin. And, um, and what's amazing is he's got grandkids now and he's, uh, you know, a little bit older than he was last time I heard him. Like I heard him 20 years ago, I think. And he'd aged a little bit as, as we all have aged a little bit. But he said he was writing a new book and he said he just kind of finished it, just turned over the publisher and somebody asked him what it was about. And he said, you know what? He said, I've studied about this stuff my whole entire life and I've written more words than I can count about, about who God is and who we are. He said, but you know what it all comes back to for me? What it all comes back to for me is how generous and kind God is. What it all comes back to is how generous and how kind God is. What it all comes back to is how generous and gracious and how kind God is. Can I invite you, friends, uh, sometime? Um, can I invite you to, to look in the mirror or to look in some water that shines and shimmers like glass? And can I invite you to look and to see yourself and to see the beauty that you are? Can we just like celebrate for a minute how beautiful like folks around you are and how beautiful you are too? Like I'm literally inviting you to celebrate that. Um, that did not feel beautiful yet. So we need to elevate that about 10 times. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Oh my gracious, right? I mean, just incredible, incredible. And, and can I invite you to look at how beautiful you are and not just look at your flaws and not just look about what you wanna change about your face or your hair or whatever, because, um, well, one day those things aren't gonna matter at all. But can I invite you to look in your reflection long enough to see the image of your heavenly father? Because that's what's inside of you, friends. And sometimes that hero, that lion of Judah hero, sometimes that lion of Judah hero is, it is hidden within us. Friends, um, it, it is not only in, in our best well-being, it's not only in Long's Chapel's best well-being, but, but Haywood County and the community and the world that surrounds this building need desperately for us to let those hidden, that hidden hero let that out. Let that out. That's what Phoebe did. That's what we're called to do. Um, that's what Jesus longs to do in and through each and every one of us. I thank you for the ways that you're doing that. And I just want to encourage us to continue to lean in. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, can we pray together? God of grace and God of glory, we are indeed grateful for the ways that you move and work. And um, oh God, the, the kindness that you are, 
the, the, the generous grace that you offer to us, the extravagant love that you offer to us, even and most especially when we're at our worst and it seems like we have nothing to give back to you. And we get an opportunity, oh God, to think about Jesus climbing up on that cross and the acknowledgement that, that we helped put him there. I mean, our sin, our brokenness, the ways, oh God, that we, we let on our end, um, we let things get in the way of, of your love lived out in our lives. And yet, oh God, the glory and the forgiveness and the assurance of your love and the blessing and the gift of the cross, ultimate example of the fact that you take our worst and from it, oh God, you bring out your best. And, and that kind of generosity and kindness, I, we can't get our head around, but oh God, we doggone, we'll do everything we can to get our heart around it because we need it more than we need air, more than we need food and water. We need that grace driving us. And so, oh God, for the gift of that, the ways that you're loving us and the ways that you're longing to impact and love others through us, we're grateful and we offer all of this in the precious name of Christ and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.